Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, Ariana DeBose made history at this year's Academy Awards. Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill is just the tip of the anti-LGBTQ legislation iceberg. The Las Vegas Raiders have released Carl Nassib, the only out-active player in the NFL. And there's new music from out-recording artist Paper Citizen. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Ariana DeBose made history at the 94th Annual Academy Awards, winning a Best Actress in a Supporting Role statue for her powerful performance as Anita in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. The win makes DeBose the first out queer woman of color to win an acting Oscar. In her moving acceptance speech, she not only acknowledged the legendary Rita Moreno, who was the first Latina to win an Oscar for her own turn as Anita in the original West Side Story film, but DeBose also gave a nod to how finding the arts helped save her as a young queer person of color. She said, in part, Imagine this little girl in the backseat of a white Ford Focus. When you look into her eyes, you see an openly queer woman of color, an Afro-Latina, who found her strength in life through art. And that's what I believe we're here to celebrate. So to anybody who's ever questioned your identity ever, 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 or you find yourself living in the gray spaces, I promise you this, there is indeed a place for us. End quote. Leading up to the Oscars, DeBose had already garnered a Golden Globe, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and the British Academy Film Award for her star turn. Also during the telecast, Best Actress winner Jessica Chastain gave a shout-out to the LGBTQ community in her acceptance speech. She said in part, Right now we are coming out of some difficult times that have been filled with love, trauma, and isolation. And so many people out there feel hopelessness, and they feel alone, and suicide is a leading cause of death in the U.S. It's touched many families, it's touched mine, and especially members of the LGBT community, who often feel out of place with their peers. She added, For any of you out there who feel hopeless or alone, I just want you to know that you are unconditionally loved for the uniqueness that is you. Thank you, Jessica Chastain. Also notable was the choice of two LGBTQ icons and previous Oscar winners, Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli, to present the Best Picture trophy. Liza was a little confused at times, but Lady Gaga showed support and compassion that truly touched the heart. Holding Liza's hand, Lady Gaga whispered, I got you, to Liza. And Liza said, I know which made my little grinchy heart grow three full sizes. I spent most of the evening pulling for my favorite film of the year, Coda, 
which was nominated in three categories, including Best Picture, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And the film won all three. Yay! Troy Kotzer, one of the film's three deaf actors, plays the father and husband of a family where he, his wife, and son are all deaf. Amelia Jones plays his hearing daughter, who has to find a balance between helping connect her family to the rest of the world and giving space to the joy she finds in singing. The entire cast performances were all top shelf, but Kotzer's turn as a father who has to learn to understand his daughter's passion, a passion he can't experience, is a revelation. The film's director, Sean Hedder, wasn't nominated in the directing category, but she did win for Best Adapted Screenplay. I've watched the film at least four times now, and if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend it. It's available now on Apple TV+. Finally, I want to give major props to the evening's three hosts, Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes, who were pretty funny all night long. Wanda Sykes closed their welcome sequence, promising the audience a great night before adding, and for the people in Florida, which had just passed the infamous Don't Say Gay Bill, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, gay, gay. Thank you, Wanda Sykes. And speaking of Florida... Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Sunshine State's Don't Say Gay bill into law this week. But Florida isn't alone in these efforts. It's actually part of a national trend, a disconcerting trend. Six other states are considering legislation that would ban or restrict classroom discussion of LGBTQ issues and identity or books and other educational materials that have LGBTQ content. Meanwhile, Several more states are seeking to allow parents to censor books they don't want their children seeing, and one has already restricted instruction about divisive issues in higher education. Now, these bills aren't surfacing just in rural states or the Deep South. They've come up in reliably blue states like New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Illinois, although they have little chance of passing there. It's worth noting that before there was Don't Say Gay... There was no promo homo. Bills that were passed throughout the 1980s and 1990s as conservative lawmakers responded to the AIDS crisis by seeking to ban what they considered promotion of homosexuality in schools, especially in sex education courses. These bills became law in states like Alabama, Arizona, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, the list goes on and on. Now, many of those laws have since been struck down or repealed, except for four states, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Texas. A major difference between no promo homo bills and don't say gay bills is that the new iteration leans heavily on parent and family involvement. For instance, some would allow parents to veto books or other materials they don't want their child exposed to, or would require that teachers or counselors divulge certain information to parents that students might share with them in private. The danger here is that teachers could be forced to recklessly out young LGBTQ people to families who aren't supportive of their children's identities. 
And even when these anti-LGBTQ bills don't pass, they're still harmful because the hateful rhetoric that comes up in the debates over them. Young queer students hear and see this ugly messaging that can only be interpreted as something's wrong with him. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm always happy to celebrate the amazing progress LGBTQ Americans have made in recent years. But it's important to note that the emergence of these restrictive bills is in large part conservative backlash to our progress. When marriage equality became the law of the land in 2015, my friend Michelangelo Signorelli wrote a book titled, It's Not Over. And he's right. Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia told an angry crowd during a wild, rambling rant over the weekend that Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and his husband Chastin need to, quote, stay out of our girls' bathrooms. What? Here's the soundbite. Take a listen. And you know what? Pete Buttigieg can take his electric vehicles and his bicycles, and he and his husband can stay out of our girls' bathrooms. Yep. Now, as far as I know, and I keep up with these kinds of things, don't you know, neither Pete Buttigieg nor Chastin Buttigieg have ever identified as women or attempted to use a ladies' room. It's as if the congresswoman doesn't know the difference between gay men and transgender women. The remarks came during a speech for a Save America rally, headlined by Donald Trump in Georgia. Green spent six minutes working her way down a tired list of Republican talking points, including disparaging the Black Lives Matter movement. It's worth noting, this comes from a member of Congress whose wild, crazy conspiracy theories got her stripped of all committee assignments, and her entire congressional salary has reportedly been eaten up by fines over her refusal to wear a simple face mask on the floor of the House of Representatives during a pandemic. Defensive end Carl Nassib is being released by the Las Vegas Raiders. Nassib famously came out as gay last June, becoming the first and only out-active player in the NFL. The decision to release the six-year veteran doesn't appear to have anything to do with his coming out, but all to do with freeing up salary cap space. Nassib had one year left on his three-year, $25 million contract with the Raiders. Nassib signed with the Raiders as a free agent in 2020. Come June 1st, he will be a free agent again. ESPN reports, quote, The release of Nassib was not unexpected and will come with a post-June 1st designation, which will give the Raiders a salary cap savings of $8 million at the time. And according to NFL.com, quote, Nassib remains a solid rotational rusher but his $7 million base salary was too rich for a player who played just 242 defensive snaps and earned one and a half sacks last season. NFL.com goes on to say that with the NFL in constant need of edge-rushing depth, Nassib should have no problem finding a job for the next season. It just likely won't be for $7 million. Marcus Mosier of Yahoo Sports adds, at just the age of 28 and with multiple years of starting experience, 
he shouldn't have any trouble finding a job soon. Nassib thrilled his fans when he forced a fumble in overtime during the 2021 season opener against the Baltimore Ravens at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. My city, my city, my city. The strip sack led to a game-winning touchdown for the Raiders just two plays later. In 13 games last season, Nassib had 21 tackles and one and a half sacks. The website Pro Football Focus rated Nassib as the fifth highest rated Raiders defensive player last season. He began his career as a third round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns in 2016 after playing for Penn State. He moved on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the 2018 and 2019 seasons. His career stats include 22 sacks, four forced fumbles, and 16 passes defended. As I reported at the time, Nassib came out via an Instagram video on June 21, 2021. In his announcement, he also shared he donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, the advocacy and support group for LGBTQ teens at risk for death by suicide. For years, many NFL pundits claimed having an out player would be disruptive to team cohesion, but there doesn't appear to have been any fallout from Nassib's coming out. Immediately following Nassib's announcement last summer, Raiders owner Mark Davis told ESPN, quote, It's 2021, all the more power to Carl. It doesn't change my opinion of him as a person or as a Raider. Earlier this month, the Raiders matched his $100,000 donation to the Trevor Project. I'll keep you apprised as to what team Nassib moves to. Former Bachelor star Colton Underwood has reportedly been trying to sell the TV rights to his impending wedding with fiancé Jordan C. Brown. But according to reports, no network has bought the idea yet. Sources tell Radar Online, quote, Colton has been pitching a TV wedding for a long time. He was sure that being the first gay bachelor to get married would start a bidding war between networks and streaming services. But so far... No one has said yes. Radar adds that his agent set up a meeting with almost every development and programming executive in town. To say he was optimistic is an understatement. He was 100% positive this was a done deal. Not only would he earn a chunk of money, but Colton would be back where he loves to be, on TV. Radar goes on to add that Underwood's Netflix series, Coming Out Colton, yielded what insiders call soft ratings. I guess that's why Colton didn't seem very upbeat when he was recently asked about a possible second season for the show. Out Olympic skier Gus Kenworthy got to know Underwood during the taping of the Netflix series where the freestyle skier helped mentor Underwood through the process of coming out and entering life as a gay man. Us Weekly caught up with Kenworthy at the 30th annual Elton John AIDS Foundation Academy Awards viewing party this weekend, where he acknowledged he has spoken to the reality celeb since the announcement of his engagement last month. Kenworthy told Us Weekly, Colton's fiancée Jordan is my boyfriend's best friend, so we've seen a lot of them. The Olympic silver medalist shared that while the couples are close, they haven't been on a ton of double dates. Describing Underwood and Jordan's relationship as a whirlwind romance, Kenworthy said they're like completely swept out to sea with one another. They bought a house, they're engaged, they're moving at the speed of light. 
He added that he joked with Underwood when he got the call about the engagement, quote, Oh my God, you guys literally just met. I've had food poisoning longer. Beyond the teasing, though, Kenworthy says he believes the reality star and the political strategist are probably in it for the long haul. He said, quote, I think they both have what the other person is looking for. I think that Jordan is very smart and composed and very interesting, and Colton's very sweet and handsome. They're very much in love with one another, but it's batshit crazy. They're moving so fast. When asked if he'll be part of the Underwood Brown nuptials, Kenworthy said he doesn't think so, but he did add that he doesn't see an elopement in the couple's future because, quote, Colton likes attention. Indie rock project Paper Citizen, led by out singer-songwriter-producer Claire Ghost, blends crisp vocals with lyrical intimacy, spacious guitars, and organic rhythms on her new single, Over the Moon. In a press statement, Ghost said, Just like a balloon, letting go was the only way to fly. Over the Moon is a song about knowing of a love that has been there since the beginning, the type that showed you strength and held you grounded in the moments that you needed in order to grow. She adds, The music is a mix of melancholy and hopefulness, expressing the tension and fear of leaping into the great unknown. It feels like you're losing grip of a memory that was once held so tightly and floating into a world of new possibilities. The beautiful, airy electro-pop track has a light, sensual aura to it and just the right amount of passionate build. And Ghost's shimmering vocals are intimate and tranquil. Let's take a listen to Over the Moon. Through the rivers 
A reminder, Over the Moon by Paper Citizen is available now on all digital download streaming sites. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.